Uh, that is one of my old paintings from like oh, probably like six years ago. It looks like <laughs> bacon or something. Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Rajiv Nathan, a.k.a. The Raj Nation. I am your show's host. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Martin McGovern, a.k.a. Marty McFly. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help us all better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. In this episode, we sit down with Moak Han. Moak is actually the brother of Brady Han, who we recently had on this show in Season 6, Episode 5. Moak is not only Brady's brother, but he's also an artist and a sculptor. And we have a conversation with Moak about, well, noise. You know, when you may be having millions of thoughts in your own head or in your gut, or perhaps from other people. Specifically, we ask the question, how do you filter out the noise? Now, before we dive in, quick reminder and invitation, if you are not a member already, head to www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com and join our tribe. Joining our tribe means you enter your email address on our site. You will never miss another episode of this show. Every Monday, you'll get a link to listen, as well as some cool notes on things that I find interesting that are either going on in the community or that I think you would benefit from. All right, let's dive in now to our conversation with Mo Khan, the artist and sculptor, asking the question, how do you filter out the noise? Let's listen in. Recently, I did a trip to Japan. Um, I was there for an art residency, and I was out there for two months. I had really this like unique opportunity where I got to um, camp out in the wilderness for X amount of days. It was probably like three weeks of being by myself camping. And uh, the focus was to build a sculpture. The sculpture kind of was more like a shrine a space for, I guess, whatever anyone intended to use it for. Um, I think when I first started, it was mostly like about meditation and kind of like a space where you could really clear your mind, kind of just be present. And when I was out there, I really got to realize over the time of building it that like, I guess the main reason I was supposed to do this project was to like go through the frustrations of building it more so to get a finished product and see how I can use it. So while I was out there, I had a lot of time to, I guess, just self-reflect and be in the present. And there was situations when building it where I would really question myself, like, is this the right thing to do? Because I didn't have, like, sketches or a plan of, like, what the outcome would be. It was really just about, like, grab some tools and just go and see what happens. And a lot of things played out like organically, um, mostly to my surprise. I'm trying to think like what's like the best example. I guess 
being by myself, there was there was kind of a lot of noise because I was just thinking in my head the whole time. I'm sure I spoke to myself out loud as well, but I would ask questions. Like I would ask for some type of guidance in some sense of the term. And there are situations where like nature would respond to it. And it was pretty fascinating. I had, um, I needed more wood one day and, uh, I was like, man, I need, I need like, I need some wood. Like there's a, a lack of, um, I, I didn't I didn't I don't speak Japanese so like the I didn't have a translator most of the day so sometimes the setup for understanding like what was right or what was wrong like can I cut a tree down in this area or can I not like it, it was kind of almost like left for interpretation so I took it as like all right I'll, I, I can cut down a tree I'm not sure if it's right but I think I can cut down a tree <laughs> and we'll see how it goes but I was like really nervous about it too and yeah, I was like, man, I really need to cut down a tree. And suddenly, like, while this thought's going through my head, I hear a tree fall. And hearing that, is, it's this very, like, it's a weird, like, thunderous snap. But then it's, like, silence. And then it's this weird kind of catching sound when it hits the ground. And I was like, oh, my God, like, that's my tree. I was like, this is perfect. So I went and grabbed my saw and, like, started running towards the area where this tree fell or where I believe this tree fell. And, like, the second I got away from the my, like, area where I was staying, like, it was, like, torrential downpour. Like, rain came out of nowhere. Like, it was literally sunny when that tree cracked. And then, like, the second I go to, like, get it, it starts pouring rain. And there's so many different ways you can interpret that. And I stopped to really think about it. I was like, okay, is this, like, do I see this as a challenge of, okay, I should go get this tree. This is the tree that's for me. And I'm supposed to work through the rain and like, it's supposed to be like kind of dangerous because I have to work for it. Or is that not the right tree? And like, that's not like what I'm supposed to do. Like I can get wood from somewhere else. And I decided to go with the second one. And I I was like, all right, I'll just go inside. I'll rest. I made some tea and just kind of like hung out. And I was like, what am I going to do about this wood and kind of just let it go. And then moving forward, I was like, man, I still really need this tree. So I was like, I had a lot of stuff built for the shrine already. And I decided to kind of just go and walk around the area to like view it and see like, see where that took me. If there's like, if I got any new ideas and it was still raining outside and I was like walking up around the mountain to like look down on top of the shrine. And there was like one slit of light that was coming through the sky that was hitting this tree that like happened to be like the one tree that was blocking the sculpture from like where I was standing. But like the thing was like glowing and it was, it was the tree looked pretty um, like it was dying. Like it uh, compared to all the other trees in the area, it didn't seem very healthy. So I was like, that's the tree. I was like, that's the one I need to cut, cut down. So I went back, got my saw and like decided to cut down this one tree based off of just I guess my mind like giving a sign it was natural but it was like I don't know that's just the way that I like perceived it and it was cool because I ended up cutting the tree down which was very stressful I was using like a Japanese saw and Japanese saws are kind of they have like a really long handle and then the saw part is kind of like a rectangle it's pretty long but it's very flimsy and I bought all mine from like a small flea market and a town kind of nearby so a lot of my 
stuff was like rusty and things. And I was trying to cut this tree down and my saw snapped in half. I was just like, what the heck? And I was like, I have to get this tree down. And I was like, I was also panicking because it was like in a very rocky area and there's like a lot of vipers where I was. And like one of the only things that I was told in English was like, oh yeah, if you get bit by a viper, you'll die. So it was like, <laughs> I had, I had that like stress too in a lot of situations when I was out there like oh, I'm trying to focus be present like I'm cutting a tree down and I'm like there's a viper that could like bite me and kill me so it was like this weird balance but obviously I wasn't being very present because I broke the saw so I was like really trying to force something but I ended up slowing down finishing it with my broken saw and the tree fell down I like cut it up into three parts and it ended up being the three main pieces for my sculpture um, and it was cool because I was using like um, the Japanese measuring system, which is pretty like I guess like I don't I don't want to say basic, but it's like pretty simple, like as a, like a meter would be or something, a more metric system. Um, but I was also using it in my own like way. It's like okay, this is this. Like I'll just measure things like that, and I never really measured the tree. And there was this one situation where I was building a roof. And I had to have these two main supports, which were the top two parts of the tree. And like they're very different sizes. Like the the very top of the tree was extremely skinny, and the middle of the tree was you know medium. And I had to use both of them in the same way. So I had to like cut out a support to hold the two endpoints in a way that would like still keep my um, my roof to be relatively um level and i remember like cutting down these trees and not really measuring the thickness or anything like that ending up just kind of just going with it and it was like really intense because this structure that i built was probably like 20 feet tall and i had like a really bad ladder <laughs> so it was like another day of rain and i'm like trying to put these huge logs up by myself and like finally get them set and I go and grab another log to like put across to see how level it was. And I like drop the level on top of it. And somehow randomly, like it ends up just being perfectly level. Like deciding to put the top of the tree on the right side versus the left side, like ended up being like it just worked out. And it was kind of this weird situation where like I got very emotional. Like I started to cry because it was like, I did listen to my gut and I didn't let my mind kind of like make the decision for me. And it was very, it was, it was very peaceful. It was very like nice to, to see that like a natural energy can like, you know, like we're all so natural that like without noise or without any type of outside influence, like there's a lot of small hints that are given to us that, sometimes we can be too distracted to even like see. So that was like a really cool moment. And later on, like I, I really just wanted to like, I, I didn't, I've never really done meditating before or practice meditation. So like I wanted to try it and I don't, I'm not sure if it was a night after that or before that. I think it was before the like kind of finishing the roof. I decided to meditate and I took like a small meditation class before I went up there at this um, temple in, in the near the village that I was in, which is about like, it's like central Japan, four hours outside of Tokyo. Um, and that one of their main focuses was like 
focusing on a circle, like a dot, and just kind of going through that dot and going like, they're basically saying like, go to your home, like go to New York City, go to where you grew up, like keep just going and then go like through the universe and just keep going and like try to like enter some type of void. So that was kind of like, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll try that. So I started like painting these little dots, these little yellow dots and like focusing and meditating on them. And I was outside and the forest is, it's very, very loud. It's like, there's a lot of like uh, locusts and like, crazy bugs and you can hear animals yeah vipers (laughs) just killing people there's just a lot of like there's a lot of noise but for some reason it seemed very quiet so there's like this situation where i was outside i had candle lit and i'm like focusing on this dot and i really do like for the first time like kind of clear my mind and like you know i'm like meditating and suddenly there's this like this like and like I'm getting like this bug that's like flying around my head like and I'm like don't open your eyes don't open your eyes I was like just stay focused and I'm like now I'm thinking too much like stop thinking and I was like I want to see what this thing is because it was so loud it's like I have to see what this thing is so like I opened my eyes and of course it's gone or it was just so tiny and that like maybe the meditation was working so well that like some little bug was like this loud noise for me because of like I don't know the lack of focus or the focus of and yeah i was like damn that was cool i was like all right but outside's too distracting i have to go inside so i like went inside i had this like cabin it was like this beautiful fireplace and like just very simple traditional japanese cabin and i went inside there because i was like oh like yeah no vipers no bugs to like distract me i started meditating (laughs) again and I get, I get probably like 20, 25 minutes into it. And I'm like, okay, I feel present again. Like, I feel like I'm back where I was at. And like, I start getting like crazy butterflies, like kind of this weird, um, like hair standing on your back and like this weird sensation running up my legs. And there's just this really strong vibration. And it's like really intense. And it starts getting really, really intense. And like the whole building starts shaking. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is crazy. And it started like, it starts coming down. And I'm like, start like breathing again, like a little bit slower. My heart rate comes down. I was like, whoa, it's like meditation's awesome. (laughs) So like now I have this like weird thing where I'm like, man, this is so cool. Like I I can get this like crazy thing happening where I can make things shake, blah, blah, blah. Like fast forward like six days, like I go down to the village to get some groceries and stuff, and I like run into like a, a friend down there that was like through the residency, but in like a different location. And they're like, "Hey, how'd you like how'd you do deal with like the earthquake the other night?" I was like, "What? There's an earthquake? <laughs> yeah, earthquake happened." I was like, "Oh, like that's so crazy!" I was like, "Oh my god!" The whole time I thought I was like crack the code for meditation like first try and I was like in this like crazy moment like shaking around wait so that vibration you were talking about was just an actual earthquake it was an actual earthquake <laughs> and it was so you meditated so hard you created an actual created, earthquake right so but then that's the thing so like I go back up there and I'm like okay how do I how, like on my like reflecting this moment how do I perceive it like where does it count for timing like I don't think I created an earthquake, but like if I did think that, like, would that be wrong? Like, I don't know. Or like, how do you perceive it? Like, Oh, like what made me think about meditating at that time when like something like that could happen. And 
I kind of, you know, just kept questioning that and thinking about it for a really long time. And it was funny because I kind of didn't really meditate after that. I was just like, eh, whatever. Like, <laughs> I mean, I did a little bit, but like, that was just so cool. And I was like, so into it for so long. And then when someone told me it was an earthquake, I was like, ah, like, whatever. <laughs> I was like, you kind of ruined it for me. Um, but yeah, was like when I finally finished the structure, um, I never got to use, it was literally like the last day I was supposed to be in Japan. So like that night I was like, or like the, around dusk, I, I decided to hike back up. I was like in the village by that time. I decided to hike, hike back up, which is like, an, not that far. It's like a 45 minute hike or something. Um, I ended up getting up there and I was like, all right, I'll try meditating in this. Like I built this thing. I might as well like use it for once. So I like went in there and I started like meditating and like was really like got like 20, 25 minutes into it and I was like really feeling it. And then suddenly the whole structure starts shaking again and there's another earthquake like while I'm meditating. <laughs> and I was in Japan for two months and there was only two earthquakes the whole time I was there. And it happened to be the two times when I like tr- chose to like take meditation very seriously. So that was kind of a, a funny situation. That's a, uh, so there, there's a couple things going on here. There's, when we talk about this idea of noise that's going on, there's noise in the physical sense, and I should say more than that, noise in the external versus noise in the internal. External mm. being like you were saying, like, oh, there's a bug flying around your face. Um, what do you do about that? Or the forest is really loud, that kind of stuff. Um, and that not only just in a meditative sense, but even in a day-to-day sense, right? There are people talking all the time wherever you go. There are... You know, there's the bus driving by, et cetera. And then... Well, now you're back in New York, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Noisiest man. place on Earth. Going back down to Tokyo was, like, so strange. Even going down to the village, like, I was, I came, I came off my high and, like, went down there, and there was, like, a situation that came up with, like, basically, like, um, there's two girls that I was kind of like hanging out with and they both kind of found out about it and got <laughs> one got very, very upset. And I was like, holy shit. It was like reality just struck so quickly and it was like, you know, completely like my fault. But it was interesting because it was like, oh, this isn't any different than what I would be like doing in New York City. But like since it's just such like an intimate place, you know, I was like, okay, like now I have to really reflect on like my my choices. Like, yeah, and um. I don't know. It definitely changed me completely, and it, it's it's been visible. I've really close friends who are like, "Man, you are so different since you've been back from Japan." What and do I they point was, out? I think they point out that, like, I I mean, I think I had more of like a a youthful, um, like before that, I was just kind of like not more of a kid, but I was just like less responsible in a way. Like, I didn't really think about, um, I don't know, like repercussions or anything like that so i guess being back it's like i'm definitely more serious i think is like a good way to put it like definitely more present and really like trying to put together the pieces of like what what makes sense moving forward like why does this line up with this like if i do this what will that bring in the future and it's like it's really about yeah being present and responding to these moments these opportunities these cookie crumbs i like to say and like these are so significant to me because i know that whatever however i respond to the to the now is going to completely predict 
and unfold my future in a way that I want. So it's like about releasing the anxiety of looking forward and just trusting that you're by doing this now you are making the future better kind of hopefully <laughs> yeah okay so that's that last point i think is something we can really unpack is the that anxiety issue right i think it's something that everyone feels on a day-to-day basis um because there's a constant fight of Either I'm not doing enough or I'm doing too much or I should be farther ahead than I am right now or things are going too fast and I can't keep up, right? And right. It's, it's tough to take a step back and say what I'm doing right now is what I'm supposed to be doing right now and it will create you know a certain type of future as a result of that. But there's that gap between thinking you're supposed to be where the future is and where the present actually is. Yeah. Especially because we're so good at imagining, (laughs) we're so good at imagining all the different possible, possible outcomes. Oh, totally. And I, I think Martin, I want to throw this to you because you, and you've said on the show plenty of times, like you have a tendency to like, to do that, to imagine what are all the possible like scenarios, good and bad of something. So mm-hmm. how do you kind of bridge that um, that dissonance in a way? Um, well, a lot of it hasn't been fixed. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> or I guess what goes through is, your head as you're as that's going on? Uh, well, what I've just noticed is like a lot of it is playing out the entire story or multiple stories or, you know, how these conversations will go down um, to the point where then like, oh, I don't need to have that conversation or I don't need to do that thing because I already know how it'll end. Right. Um, and I think that that's uh, just a, it, it's like rooted in anxiety and fear and things like that. And it's um, just a, a real form of procrastination because uh, there's no need to do anything if you, you know, can convince yourself you know how it'll end. Um, so a big thing that I've been trying to do is just like, one, I mean, I can't control everything. So... Um, let those stories play out in my mind and then just take a step back and be like, is, you know, that's not real. So let's go figure out what the real thing is and go have that conversation or go do that thing and see what really happens. Um, and then the other part is uh, just sort of, um, I think, calming down around all of it. Because uh, I think there's there's so many things there, there's so much information out there and so many different um, avenues to confirm our biases that I think uh, sort of what we're saying here about taking a step back, meditating, separating yourself from things instead of trying to find the answer um, through, in my case, research or, um, you know, kind of finding the answer through the experience, not through thinking through the experience. Uh, Because you can find a book that will say, yes, what you imagined right now is what's going to happen. And you can always find something to confirm your beliefs, but the best way to confirm it is to actually go do it. Um, And that's the thing that I've been trying to do. It's like, I can always find something that will prove me right, but I'd much rather, you know, go through the experience, good or bad, at this point and see what actually happens. What What is the real reality instead of what's in my head? Right. Yeah, you kind of have to find, like, your own inner language. Like, 
it's something that we always have to like learn more about it's like how do i understand myself because it's like the mind's just like you know a computer in that sense like all everything that we see just gets put in there but i don't know it's fascinating when it comes to like when i like when i was there when i first went there i started journaling my days and i was like writing them down and i realized that the writing was affecting my memories because it mm-hmm. created it created an image that was replacing my memory and it, the memory was the thing that i was trying to preserve the most mm-hmm. and it was like skewed huh. so it was like how do i preserve memories and i was like you know what memories are my thing like they don't need to be shared with anyone and i literally like when i found that that's when i decided not to write anymore cuz i was like these are my secrets like I can share them and people can perceive them however they want. Like they can agree or disagree. It doesn't matter, but like they're my secrets, you know, it's like, they just like another fundamental thing for me to help understand myself. That's really interesting. Cause I've, I've, we've talked on this podcast many times about journaling. Um, I use the website 750 words.com mm. and actually in my recent journals, um, I've been kind of analyzing the, the way that I write and whether or not that is helping or hurting uh, mm. what I'm trying to accomplish. Because I know I tend to have sort of a pessimistic view of certain things, especially when I'm reflecting on them or overanalyzing them uh, in my head. And so I'm, a lot of it is reinforcement. If you're, if you're writing something down, you're reinforcing beliefs and you're reinforcing certain formats of thinking. And so I've actually been wondering lately if um, – putting putting that process of of you know analysis on a daily basis um whether or not it's good or bad um because in the past it's like well you know it's nice to have it out of your head but if you're putting it out of your head um in a way that reinforces the negative behaviors or reinforces negative um mentality around different things i wonder if it is uh maybe detrimental versus, you know, just letting things go. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like you're shaping the reality, like you're dictating the reality then based on whatever you're putting into the journal. Right. Cause the journal is filled with a lot of assumptions, right? Not truths. Right. Right. And if it's, you know, you're reinforcing these assumptions and because now they're written down, they look like truths. And, if you go back and reread them at some point, like a week from now, you're reinforcing a truth. But have you actually gone and found the real answer? And that's that's the big thing that I'm trying to figure out. Right. It's interesting, especially with like you know all the platforms that we always talk about, like Instagram and Twitter and all these things. It's like the narrative that you choose to you know share amongst others. It's like, is it honest? Like, do you even trust yourself? And it's like. There's so many convincing ways you can be like no and say yes all at the same time. So it's kind of like frustrating. No yeah, that, way. That trusting yourself piece I think is really interesting. So I think that's the whole goal of, you know, blocking out this noise is is to be able to at some point trust your gut. And what you said, it's like I could go into the forest and grab that tree in the rain or I can trust that the right thing will happen and this maybe isn't you know what i need to do right this second but there's no way to know which answer is correct right and except in retrospect right. so you know in the moment how do you actually trust yourself versus always constantly wondering you know looking back yeah 
And I think that's the the body versus the mind. Like a lot of those memories, like I try to store in my body versus my head for like whatever that means. Like, you know, obviously if I go to remember it, it's like through my head, but there is something that is interesting in the sense that like our bodies go through transformations, but like our mind really doesn't. It's always evolving, but it's not, it doesn't like have like a, a reset button, which like our body they, it does it does do that and when I got back from Japan my body like went through something like that and like since I've been back it was like in August since I've been back like I break out into hives all the time due to anxiety which is something that my body's never done before like that part's like kind of confusing and and and, and interesting I was like okay so now my body's literally getting affected by the way that I think or feel mm-hmm. What and types like, of anxiety trigger it? Like, what are the uh, thoughts? I've always had anxiety, um, and I guess that's mostly like a future reference, like you know, something of looking into the future. Um, but I think going back to Tokyo and coming back to New York, it's there's just a lot of energy. There's just a lot of things and movement and the stuff happening, and I think um, I have a hard time. I think I want to accept it all in, but I have a hard time like, you know, blocking specific energies and things. And it's 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 almost it can be sometimes self-inflicting because like it's like, you know, when you're stretching, like if you go a little bit further for the stretch and there's actual pain, like that's not a bad thing. That just means you're like working harder. And like the emotional pain, like that's something that I I find interesting to push in a way to, you know, kind of create and break away that mental scar tissue in order to like expand my, my inner beliefs. Well, so on that note, um, I, I, that stretching analogy is interesting because, so I I teach yoga and one of the things Mm. you'll hear yoga, I say it a lot in a lot of my classes and you'll hear a lot of yoga teachers say this is, you know, let's say there's a pose that is unfamiliar or, you know, it's, is exhaustive or whatever it might be. Um, what I'll say, and you'll hear a lot of teachers say is if this is painful, get out of it. If this is Mm. discomfort, stay in it, distinguish between the two because like pain is doing bad for your body at that point. Discomfort means you're just not used to it and your body is trying to adjust to something it has not sensed before or is not used to sensing. Right. Yeah. And I think we sort of, we live in a in a world where, well, all right. So I was reading about anxiety recently, and and one of the things it said is, when you have anxiety, you interpret discomfort as danger, hmm. um, and so you go into fight, flight, or freeze mode, and that's an interesting thing because you know pain is something that should you know put you into fight, flight, or freeze because pain is is potentially harmful for you, you know, long-term, but discomfort shouldn't set that off. But if you're someone with anxiety, um, your brain misinterprets the discomfort as danger. And I think that that, that understanding of, you know, what you're saying in the yoga class is trying to get to that same understanding, (laughs) which is just because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean things are going wrong. Right. Where if, you know, we're, we're just sort of trained in a society where like 
everything is so easy. It's so easy to find comfort. It's so easy to, to distract ourselves. It's so easy to find someone to agree with us. It's so easy to avoid pretty much anything at this point. Um, that now it's like to be present is to sit in discomfort and things like that. Well, and discomfort is really like, I I think real progress only comes out of discomfort in some degree or another because, or or the, or feeling good about yourself comes out of discomfort because, Mm -hmm. you know, things that come really easily to a person, they don't, necessarily it's like oh yeah i just do that it's not something that i care about or whatever it's the things that you have to work for and working means you have to go through the discomfort that ultimately provide a reward because it's only a reward if there was some sort of resistance that had to be met to get to the reward it's not a reward if it's just handed to you then it's literally just a mm-hmm. handout yeah yeah no. i mean i guess the fear part would be like will i ever get that reward like if it's always a continuous like continuous train of thought, a way of like perceiving and and trying to you know be present. It's like it's interesting because like I'm in a I'm in a great position right now. Like I feel good, everything's great, but it's like I still am always overanalyzing or trying to like question things, but still trusting that it's okay. Mm. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, it's funny. Because yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing, like, I don't feel in danger. Like, it, in a, not in, like, a physical sense, but, like, an emotional sense. Like, there's no, there's no, like, you know, dark rabbit hole or anything. Like, there's nothing there. Like, everything's very balanced in that sense. But, you know, like, I like to, you know, play on the edge, in a sense, of understanding and reflecting on experiences and you know not there's like there's a way of like reflecting on the past that uh, you know it's it, there's no regrets or anything but it's it's learning from it and it's like you know some past experiences are more difficult to take yourself out of in a sense like it's like having a conversation with your own mind but like instead of talking back and forth with yourself you're like just listening like there's no talking back. So it's like I try to almost be above those situations and perceive it not from the side of like, you know, the other individual or from me, but like just the, the situation as a whole. Well, and that's where and I that's, come back to. There's the external noise and the internal noise. But right. but what's important about that is one, they, they both influence each other. So let's go back to like the journaling example. In theory, journaling is you putting your own thoughts down on paper or on the computer screen, right? But, and Martin, you still journal every day, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not someone who who journals, but I know you are. I am sure there have been days, probably many days, where something I have said like the day before set you off, and then your journal <laughs> is probably informed by what I said that made you feel a certain way, which made you write a certain thing. No, Raj, you've never shown up in my journals. <laughs> <laughs> but that, and, and, and that's kind of an interesting thing to, to think about, right? Is that it's, it's your thoughts, but it's your thoughts through a lens of what you've just experienced in the external world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I'm not, I'd, I'd be curious to know if any of our listeners journal and what their thoughts are on it or, you know, 
Um, but one of the things that I notice sometimes when I'm journaling is I'm writing to my future self, mm. which I, I, I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, there's a lot of like, Hey, ho you know, a year from now, let's see if you're doing like, I'll go back and I'll read a journal from a year ago. And it's like, Hey, I know you're reading this. <laughs> uh, have these things changed or, or, or is anything, um, have you dealt with this yet or something like that? Or have you hit this goal? And I find that to be very interesting because it's kind of, you know, it's, it's interesting from the, the fact that I can go back two, three years and see how my brain worked then, how my brain works now and what's maybe the same or different. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's a practice of, um, you know, I've been told that journaling is a practice of being in the moment and like being present with yourself and, and thinking through things. But a lot of it feels like almost future tense thinking. It's it's a lot of like, hey, here's what you don't like today. You should probably fix this in the future. Um, and I, I sometimes wonder, like, maybe take a break from journaling just to see how it changes the way you think or the way I think on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, I think because it's funny because journaling is, you know, technically it's just you. It's just like a person like, you know, idea vomiting their thoughts on paper. But yeah. really, it's it's a reflective practice as well as like a future pacing practice. It's only, I guess, technically a just dumping your thoughts on paper if you were just to be like, here's what I'm thinking now. All right, now I'm typing this now, which I know like sometimes you have to do that to get started. Right. But then mm -hmm. I think once you get past that, then it automatically becomes an analysis or a prediction. Yeah. And it's, and it's fundamentally, um, you know, what a lot of what we're talking about here is, is, you know, figuring out what's going on in your head so you can go do things in your life, right? Like you filter out the noise, not so that you can sit alone without noise. <laughs> you filter out the noise, yeah. so you can go take action on something, right? right? And so I've, I have seen it where I'll write something in a journal that's very like eye-opening that maybe I've been ignoring and then I'll go take action on it. So I do think in that respect, it, it is really positive. Um, but I've also... Uh, you know, seen thoughts come up over the years that have never been addressed. And so um, I, I don't, yeah, none of it is like fundamentally right or wrong. It's just a matter of after you've done all this reflection re reflection, and, and after you've gone through these conversations in your head and, and after you've looked through all these things or meditated or done yoga or all of this, now you have to go get out of your head and deal with the real world. And I right. think that's that's the part that we're all trying to get to, no matter what road or, or technique or, or thing you're trying to do to get there. We're all trying to get back to the place where we're dealing with life, not analyzing it or thinking about it or, or waiting for it to happen or something like that. Right. Yeah, no, that's very, that's very true. I, I, one of the ways that I was like reflecting on some of these more like, you know, amazing present miracles or whatever the hell that that happened in japan where it was like you know i got a sign or something like that it's like perceiving both sides of it it's like how how do i explain this it's like if i'm gonna talk to someone about it like do i talk about it like i'm this like weird like mystical messiah that can like control the like nature or do you like say it in like the more present way like yeah it was really interesting like i just decided I was going to do this because like I saw a snail or something you know it's like <laughs> not like overdoing it or like you know sometimes especially in like you know 
like Reiki medicine or anything like similar to that, where people like truly believe that they're healers and they're healing someone versus like a guide helping heal them themselves or helping, mm-hmm. you know, their heal. It's, it's interesting. And I think with me, with journaling, why I can't do it is because I don't trust my vocabulary to go back to when I read something like it's not the same as how I perceive it. Like the, the words that I'll write are just like, I don't have the, the experience or the vocabulary to like put down my true feelings, inner feelings. And I, I think that with art, the sculptures and paintings that I do, that is a way of journaling something that's a little bit deeper. And I think it's easier for me to maybe not when I'm making it. I think I'm, I'm definitely out of mind and very much in body when making a, a lot of my work. But when reflecting on it later, there are a lot of like hidden weird hints and elements and memories within these things that I get to go through. And, you know, it brings up a lot of like childhood memories and like weird deeper things. It's like, you know, it's, it's, I'm very fortunate that I like found something like that, that I could like, you know, truly document myself. But again, it's like, these are personal secrets that I don't need to share with anyone so Mm -hmm. having something that's like that like writing and like something that like you know if you're writing a book like like I can I'll just use my paintings as example it's like when I finish it and I get all those secrets like it's good it's it's like I can put that on the world and everyone could be like this is a piece of shit like this is the worst painting I've ever seen in my life and like that does not affect me whatsoever because I've let it go it's like I've got everything out of it and it's like now a living thing out in the world and can be perceived however it wants to be perceived. But that took a while too, to be able to just like one, learn from what you've made two be able to like release it and not like hold on to it. Well, and I really love that perspective. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, Martin. Cause I and cause for me, I mean, writing is not my natural state. Mm-hmm. Like writing is something I kind of have to force. And we've seen that with like ideal lemon when, you know, I wouldn't, it would take me weeks to write an article just because I'd overanalyze every, every word. Um, cause I'm someone who's like, I, I want to know the definition of every single word. Right. Right. <laughs> I like, um, urban dictionary is my favorite thing to just get lost on, but <laughs> I'll go back and I've, I've like, I used to draw a lot more and I used to do paintings and things like that. And, you know, I only have a handful of, of paintings and, you know, a couple binders of, of drawings, but that I can look at a painting I did five, six years ago and know exactly what my life was like at that time. Um, not word for word, the people I met in the, in the, you know, like a journal would, would just describe to me the point by point events, but I know what I felt like as a person back then. I know what my emotional state was back then. Mm. And, and I think that that's a really interesting point that you make because maybe when we're thinking about how to get these thoughts out of our head, out of our head, the medium does matter. Um, and you know, I can look at these paintings and it doesn't bring up like, Oh, I was angry at this person cause they did one, two, three things to me. But I could say like, Oh, I felt, you know, this way about my friendships at the time, or I felt this way about myself at the time. Um, and I do a lot of like, you know, kind of cartoony sort of things, but it's very like, um, there's a lot of emotion in the cartoons as well. So I I think that's really interesting that you brought that up. 
And I would say on top of that too is, Moak, what you were talking about, it, it, it's a topic that it, it bleeds into a topic that I find interesting, which is the idea of flow states and finding your own state mm. of flow, you know, like essentially for you, it sounds like sculpting painting is its own form of meditation. It's that idea of the moving meditation, um, where like once you get started on something, you, it, you can really just like kick into a high gear where nothing else matters. And that's when you're in that state of flow. Um, and even like Martin, our, our, uh, one of our recent episodes with Sam Aberman, she was saying like cooking for her is like a meditative mm. practice. It's a moving meditation. And like for me yesterday, I spent the whole day working on, uh, for your knowledge, Moke, I'm a rapper as well. I spent the whole day working on music and you know, it was like eight thirty PM before I even knew it. And it didn't even matter to me that, you know, 10 hours had gone by because I was just so into what I was doing and the process of, or excuse me, of uh, being in that process of just making music, like recording things, re-recording things, writing lyrics, all that stuff. You know, it was something that you are so engrossed in it that whatever else is going on truly is almost like is not happening to for you. Right. It's just that thing, that, that action that's going on. And whether that is like for me, you know, a lot of times it happens when it's making music Moke for you. Maybe it's when you're, you know, making that sculpture in Japan or you experience it during the meditation, Martin, maybe it comes out in cartooning or journaling. There are different processes and activities people can have that create that just total sense of in the momentness. And I think that's the point at which you're filtering out all the other noise. Yeah, totally. And then it's like the addiction to it is it's like how can I get this like almost in a constant realm, you know? Like how do you how do you get into that that zone like in your regular daily life, you know, like the routine. And it's it's kinda interesting. Like I try to train myself a little like as much as I can. Um I really am not doing any meditation, but there's like some simple tasks that I take very seriously, like walking up the stairs or opening my door. Like when I open my door, like almost every time that I put the key in to like lock it, like I hear and try to visualize like the whole mechanism, like working as one and like, you know, just really like take small routine things and make them very important like brushing my teeth, like listening to like the fibers, like just small <laughs> things just to like train the presence, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to like mute your brain in that situation, in any situation, especially in, in cities and, but anywhere, but yeah, it's, um, there are ways I think that you can train it. Yeah. I love that. I, cause one of the things that I've noticed throughout my life is when things get really stressful, um, doing like a mass organization of my room is mm. like the greatest thing ever. I did it yesterday and yes. I noticed that I forgot to journal yesterday and it's probably because I needed a different outlet right. for those, those thoughts and those, you know, I needed something more meditative than something reflective that right. day. And like I woke up today and my room is like spotless and everything is just like nothing on any surfaces. And that is like, <laughs> oh my gosh, my brain feels clear again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. A, a nice feeling. I actually, a couple of days ago, for the last year, I've had a, a extra box spring just sitting in my room, like against the wall. 
And it actually, it was blocking off like half of my room. <laughs> uh, actually, it wasn't against the wall. I had it just sitting upright in the, like on the side of the room <laughs> and it was blocking off like, you know, a full third, I would say of the room. And then I finally like, you know, threw a garbage sticker on it and threw it out. And I feel like, like the, it was almost like the, the box spring was like representative of a mental block. And yeah. just by getting rid of that obstruction in my room, it's like, I feel like, oh man, all right, I have like all this space again. I can, I feel like I can do things now. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I want to just spend a couple minutes before we wrap up, um, kind of talking about the other side of the noise filtration, which is noise from kind of in the advice sense, right? People always want Mm. to give advice. Um, A lot of times it's unsolicited. And Moak, how do you deal with, especially I'm curious to know, having come back from Japan now, um, other people talking to you about what they think you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing, et cetera. Huh. I mean, I honestly don't get it very, very often, um, surprisingly. And the when I do, they're typically people very close to me, so I, I do take it, you know, pretty seriously. Um, I, I'm fortunate to know where I want to go in that, in some sense of like what I want. So hearing things that are from left field or like maybe misunderstood or they just don't understand me. Like it's just, you know, I don't, I don't make it into a conflict or anything. Like I listen and respect that time and space, but it's not something that actually really affects me. I think the one part that gets the most difficult that I had trouble with in the past was, um, just comparing myself to others in a way of like, like, oh, I want their life. Like, oh, I want mm-hmm. that. Like, oh, how, why did they get that show? Oh, why are they doing well? Like, oh, they're so terrible. And, like, do these things that are, like, very negative and have nothing to do with me whatsoever and try to make it about me. And, like, those are the, I think, the, the that's probably the one thing that seems to be the most difficult in the sense of, you know, comparing and contrasting mm-hmm. other lives. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't really get, like, advice from a lot of people. Well, then, from the people thing. who are close to you, then, how do you, yeah. and maybe it agrees with what you already think, or it's something you haven't thought about before, but how do you reconcile that with your own thoughts? I I take it as a challenge. I mean, I'm very competitive, so it's not something that I denounce mostly. Um, it usually has to do with, like, the actual artwork that I'm making. Um, you know, I could make something that's really good and then have, like, a close friend of mine be like, I don't like that. And like, be like, Oh, okay. So like now it's in my head and I'm like, I need to make something that she would like, you know, like something like that where it's this weird challenge. Um, and it does definitely change me, I think for the better, but it's, you know, it's, it is a challenge and it's, you know, I don't, I don't ask for it typically, but at the same time I do, it's just not so direct. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, it's like a good working dynamic in that sense. Martin, you have, so we did an episode Hmm. a while back, I think it was with Sam Trump, where you kind of realized that you actually were a competitive person, but you don't think you're a competitive (laughs) person. 
um, given what Moak just said, do you kind of feel that same way about like, do you take other thoughts as challenges or are you just like, no, nah, it doesn't matter? Oh man. Um, I, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure how to answer that. I think, um, I sometimes, I'm, you know, looking at like personality tests and things like that. I know I'm a people pleaser. Uh, so sometimes, um, I don't know. I was having this thought the other day where I'm like, all right, let's, let's, maybe you don't know all the, all the answers, right? So maybe start listening to what some other people have to say, uh, and see what advice you can learn from. Um, and then, you know, that thought jumps into my head. Well, what if what they tell you to do is wrong? And what if, you know, you start going down a path that you don't want to be on? And then that thought was quickly followed by, well, last time that happened, you had, you know, this, you know, you find yourself in a situation you didn't want to be in. You had these extremely creative, you know, side projects that popped up. And so I'm almost like, you know, even if I do go down the wrong path at some point, or if I, you know, take some advice that isn't, isn't right, it'll just spawn, I guess that's the competitive side of me, or that's like the, um, the sort of like, I'm going to do it no matter what side of me, which is, you know, I, I do take advice from people. Um, and I, and I try to incorporate, you know, what the learnings of other people into my own life. And if those learnings happen to be wrong, I know that something in me is going to fight back and I'll start drawing on the side or I'll create another fun side project or, you know, do a podcast or something like that. And, uh, and find another outlet. So I, I think that that's comforting in the fact that no one really knows the answer, including me. Um, but whatever happens, there's going to be either that's going to be right and things are going to keep rolling forward with it, or that's going to be wrong and it's going to spawn something else to happen. Mm. See, what I come to is um, there's this quote my dad always tells me, whenever I'm like, I know, you know, <laughs> you know, the response you might give to like your parents when they try to give you advice and you're like, I know already. <laughs> um, he says, um, uh, advice that you agree with is pernicious. And if you don't agree with it, it's superfluous. And mm. that's something that like for a long time I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But then more recently I was like, wait, no, that is because I, just currently I'm a, I'm in a state where I'm like, okay, let me, you know, I don't know everything. Let me learn what, let me learn as much as I can to make sure I can have my own type of progress in my life and my career. And I think I had put myself in a, my own little bubble for a long time of like, uh, you know, let me just take the rah, rah, like, Hey, you're awesome type of, uh, comments and, and advice and that kind of stuff. And, the rah rah or the raj rah? Yeah, the raj rah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and not, you know, put any stock into the, hey, have you thought about this? And, and that kind of stuff. And that idea of the pernicious versus superfluous is it's like, you know, yeah, if it already, you know, like if, it, if it's a confirmation bias thing, if, if you're already thinking that and you're already acting that way and someone tells you that, then you'll agree with it. But if it goes the, against the grain of what you think you should be doing, then it's, it's like, ah, yeah, okay, yeah, I should do that, sure. It's superfluous. So I'm I'm working more towards um, 
not dismissing things as superfluous if I don't agree with them and really taking them seriously. Like, and, and that's, I've even noticed even in the past couple of weeks, it's opened me up to just things I don't think I would have done before. Like even, uh, a few days ago I went and had a like business advisory session with the Chicago chamber of commerce. They offer just free business advising. And some of the stuff they told me about my business, I think, uh, if I had gone and had that meeting, you know, several months ago, I would have been like, yeah, no, that wouldn't really work for me. You don't, you don't understand my situation, which is, I think we all want to do when it's our situation. Um, we all think we're unique, but then this time I was like, wow, I had not considered that before. I'm going to implement that. Thank you. Can we meet again? (laughs) So, yeah, you know, it is that Yeah, I, I, I think we, we make things harder for ourselves like we are the cause of a lot of the strain um, in our own lives and being aware of that and either being mindful to the fact that like, oh, I'm creating this in order. Let, let's say I'm creating this friction in order to start a fire in the in the case of like I need to cut down a tree and build something right um, or saying like I'm putting up these blo- these walls in my head. Um, I need some, you know, outsider advice uh, to help me out of it. I think realizing that most of the turmoil that we have floating in our minds is from ourselves um, is is helpful in trying to get past all this noise. Yeah. And Martin, you mentioned like path. And that's like one of those things that for a while was kind of like a weird stressful thing for me because I always read and perceived a path. Like if like you hold your hands up with your fingers out wide, like, parallel with the ground like I always perceive that you're on one line and like everyone that you meet on that line too and mm-hmm. like sometimes when lines cross like that's a point of a, a meeting moment and then I like would switch the lines up and be like oh I was just reading it and perceiving it the wrong way like everyone's on different planes so like maybe the lines cross but they're not on your plane like they're on different planes so it's not as big meaning and then when I was in Japan I I kind of went back to it and kind of decided that instead of being on a plane like we're just a dot like we're the center of something some form of energy and we have just thousands and millions and billions of lines shooting out so like when we do connect with someone it's just like we're all lines like connecting in that sense like we're not on planes like we're just dots bouncing around and like the connections are you know they're just what's in front of you and that way of perceiving it for me was like a, a relief of pressure pressure where I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like I can go and do anything and like, and be fine in the sense of like when I first thought about being on this like platform, this like line that's moving forward, like that stressed me out more in the sense of like, well, if I'm on this platform and I have this path already lined up in like my life or whatever, like I could just sit on the couch all day and like, I'll still make it to the end. Right. Like, I don't know. It's just huh. like a weird way of perceiving it. Like yeah. I can be lazy, but then it's like, if you're the dot, like you're not on a plane, you're trying to connect those lines and those meetings. Like you have to, you have to put yourself out there. Like, That's make really it work. interesting. Well, and yeah, that- I was talking with someone recently um, and they were talking about fame and they were like wanting, like all these stories of famous people are made in retrospect. Like looking back, you connect it all and you're like, Oh, that's how they did it. Right. Right. And so we, I don't know, from my perspective, when you're trying to form the future, you're like, well, 
they did it this way to get to that point. So maybe if I can think forward enough and connect enough things or or if I can see the line that I'm on all the way to the end, I can get there, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that all of our stories are built in retrospect. So mm-hmm. trying to control that or seek that one end result is just almost impossible. It's a, yeah, it's a, it becomes a delay. It's like you yeah. literally are stepping over the cookie crumbs that are leading you towards what yeah. you actually want. <laughs> You're like, you get them all the time. Like they're probably in front of you all the time, but you're like, I'm going to do this because this is what so-and-so did. So like you're literally just stepping over yeah. all these little hints. And it's in pursuit of the wrong thing. Like right. fame is the is not the pursuit at the end of the day. It's like being, it's like creating this thing or being good at this thing or helping this person or, or something like that. Mm, totally. There's a couple of points I want to add to that point of fame, Martin. Um, there's this, uh, I, I mentioned this several episodes ago, but there's a movie called Ask Me Anything. Um, it's about this girl who's she's like graduating high school or she's in college or something, and she just starts blogging about her life or whatever and all her her sexcapades. And her mentor in the movie at some point, who actually ends up being Martin Sheen, is he tells her like you got to stop. He's like blogging like you and your generation. All you do is you try to make everything popular and put it online and then she's like yeah it's like everyone in my generation wants to be famous even though we're not good at anything and that's like martin to your point like yeah like get get good at something like be a good person and fame can happen as a result but fame isn't the uh, or not destination or not yeah yeah right yeah or not (laughs) and that's fine but whatever that and like don't worry about that yeah it's like distinguish between the res the byproduct and the actual goal um, right and go ahead no continue. yeah the, the the goal's happening right now you know it's like just yeah you have to find that trust that to know that what you want is right now and like your way of perceiving it in the future like it's happening right now right. and that's the scary that's like the you know that's a difficult thing to be like okay i trust myself like what i'm doing right now like you know i feel like maybe i'm not doing enough for it but like you're doing everything for it it's just it's kind of fascinating. I also want to, that dot connecting thing you talked about, Moak, um, that reminded me of this concept that I learned about from uh, Todd Connor, who was a guest on our show uh, recently. He calls it the context funnel. And like when he showed me this, it was one of those like moments for me, um, mm. especially like when you talk about the idea of like we're not on the same plane or anything like that. And, and how do you reconcile what people say versus what you're thinking, all that stuff. Um, so he drew a funnel on a whiteboard and at the top of the funnel, he wrote us without context. And at the bottom of the funnel, he wrote how the world actually works. And he's like, we're all somewhere along this funnel trying to gain more context into how the world actually works. So, and when I, when he said that, like what I started to think about was, okay, so everyone else, like I I may be like near like the top of the funnel. Maybe my dad is lower on the funnel because he's had way more life experiences than I have. And when you know you hear something that goes against what you think or when uh, maybe it agrees with you or whatever, it's like trying to think about where am I on the funnel and where are they on the funnel and how do we get closer to each other on that funnel? That's to me, when you talk about the dot connecting and like which planes are people on, that's what comes to mind for me is where, what context do they have? What context do I have? And how do right. we how do we understand each other based off that? Yeah, that's nice. 
All right, let's wrap up there. Before we do, Moak, let our listeners know where they can find you and what you're working on. Um, yeah. Um, currently, my main focus has really been um, the art gallery. So I have an art gallery in Chinatown with uh, another artist in front of mine named Liza Lacroix. It's called Ma Gallery. It's at 56 Henry. And we we pretty much have openings every every first Friday of the month moving forward we have a really nice show up right now by uh, matthew Layfight. it's a photography show um it's really beautiful and then our next opening is going to be um in march march 3rd it's a uh, karen craven who's like a multimedia artist from canada so just kind of working towards that and getting pretty excited um for my personal work still in the studios um have a website, it's uh, whoismoke.com. And yeah, I have some photos of the shrine. Uh, I need more, but yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Any uh, social medias? Um, hmm, yeah, the, the gallery is ma.guru. It's uh, at ma.guru. My personal account's uh, Moke Did It. Um, and then I have the old photography stuff, which is a uh, tomorrow's hangover. Um, yeah, that's just like 35 millimeter photography of what it sounds like. A lot of partying. <laughs> nice. Well, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll throw links for all that in our show notes. Um, all right. So to wrap up, then we will go one by one, starting with Martin and Moke. You will go last. Uh, let's give our answer to today's question based on the discussion. Martin, how do you filter out the noise? perfect response (laughs) (laughs) are you there martin is this intentional are you on mute i think this is intentional shit i am on i am on mute oh okay (laughs) i was like i was like damn martin is a genius yeah that was good (laughs) he just mic dropped on us i should have just let it go oh my god i just lost my moment <laughs> All right, so do you do you want to redo your answer? Yeah, I guess I'll I'll re say it. Okay, Martin, how do you filter out the noise? <laughs> Wait, so what's going on? I still can't hear you. <laughs> so that was intentional. <laughs> that was intentional. All right. Um I'm gonna go just by changing it up. Um and I like that this that you know, we're talking about sort of artistic mediums here. Um this conversation actually inspired me to start like doodling on my paper that I have in front of me. So like um, trying different ways to express your thoughts, I think is helpful. Um, whether it's journaling or drawing or, or rapping or whatever it is, or talking, um, that might be a good way um, to help process in order to filter. Cool. My answer for how do you filter out the noise? Um, so What's interesting, as you guys were talking, what I realized was my own meditation practice is a process of filtering out the noise. Like, I don't try to make myself not think. I just let thoughts come to me. And I, in my head, I'm like, is that important for today or is it not important? If it's not important, I don't need to worry about it. If it is important, let me continue on with that thought. Um, And what that kind of has helped me see is that not all thoughts are created equal. And we don't need to place equal importance and significance on every single thought that happens. Some things matter more than others. Others can just be fleeting thoughts, and that's okay. So 
I think the way you filter or a way you filter out the noise rather is by understanding that not all thoughts are created equal. Yeah. Moke, how do you filter out the noise? Uh, I, I really think it's just about trust, just self-trust, trust yourself. Um, by doing so, the the noise is, is it's, it's nothing. It's something that is just in and out. Um, by being in by being present for yourself and trusting yourself and trying to find some type of confidence in the smallest things, like if it's other tasks, you know, it doesn't have to be anything other than a doodle on a piece of paper. Like just the fact that, you know, you're doing something and, and believing in yourself, I think is the key for me to just focus on that, to be able to take the noise down. I still want to hear it, but <laughs> I just don't need to respond to it. <laughs> Just crank, just crank the decibel level down just a tad. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, this season has now included two Hamilton cast members and now two Han family members. So <laughs> let's Perfect. keep the nepotism and, <laughs> and colloquialism going. Mokan, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you thank very you. much, guys. That was nice. That wrapped up our conversation with Moke Han. Moke, thank you so much for joining us. And as I said, after we went off air, just that complete mind warp there over the last 20 or minutes or so of our conversation. Did you, the listener, have a mind warp? Did you enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes, as well as subscribing to this show on whatever platform it is you listen to, whether that is iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or the various other podcasting platforms we are available on. Ratings and reviews help more people find the show. Subscriptions help more people find the show. Therefore, more people get to discover their inner awesome. For full show notes, references, and resources discussed in this episode, as well as Moke's contact information, you can grab it all at www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. While you are there, check out our 70-plus episode archive of, well, awesome episodes. Guess what? We recently launched a brand-new Twitter account for this show as well. So follow us on Twitter at DYIAwesome. Tweet about the show. Use hashtags, you know... Get us some more followers. Let's kind of, let's do something cool together here. Let's share the awesome. All right, that'll do it for this one. Thank you again to Mo Khan for joining us. For Martin McGovern, I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today. <laughs>